This is episode number 125 with co-founder at the MM1 project, Andrew Borison. Welcome to the Super Data Science Podcast. My name is Kirill Eremenko, data science coach and lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you inspiring people and ideas to help you build your successful career in data science. Thanks for being here today. And now let's make the complex simple. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Super Data Science Podcast. Today, I've got a super exciting, super pumped episode, super futuristic episode with Andrew Borisov from the MM1 Project. And you're probably wondering, what is this MM1 Project? Unless you've already heard of it. If you have heard of it, you're already super excited. So, MM1 Project. Imagine this massive uh, robotic arm attached to a chair where you sit down, you strap yourself in with seatbelt, and then you put on a VR headset. And then you like have all these amazing experiences. You can go on a roller coaster, you can fly a plane, you can do like a street car racing, one of those crazy Ubisoft ones that flies all over the place, like in a roller coaster. And basically what the robotic arm will do, it will throw around your chair, make you go upside down, tilt you left, right, and center, and everywhere. So you have like a full immersive experience. You're not just in the VR with your eyes, you're in the VR with your whole body. It is insane. And uh, we've linked, we've added a their promo video for the chair for the MM1 experience on the, the Super Data Science uh, website. So if you go to superdatascience.com slash 125, you will see what it's all about. You'll see how people are playing these games or sitting on roller coasters and the chair is just like throwing them all over the place. This is something completely new. This is the most advanced version of this in the world. It has crazy rotational angles like 360 full rotation, then 30 degrees left-right rotation. What else does it have? Another 360 full upside-down rotation. It's insane. And so Andrew Borisov is one of the co-founders of this project. And uh, what we talked about is like lots of interesting things. So we definitely talked about how his career shaped and how he quit his job to work on this project, even though there was like five years ahead before they even got to something commercially viable, something you could release to the world, how to follow your passion, how to jump into the unknown. Also, Andrew is taking courses on AI in, his, in parallel, and he'll be talking about that, how he finds time to do that and what he thinks of AI. But I think most importantly, uh, it was very valuable to get his perspective on virtual reality, on the space of VR, where it came from, how it's been developing, uh, if, if it's dying off or not, and where it's going. And uh, like he shared some very cool insights and it was really great because he's got all the experience. This is, this is what he uh, lives and breathes, VR, virtual reality all the time. And so it was very, very insightful to get all that information from a person who actually works in the space of VR. Also, a, a fun thing that he mentioned is that uh, the MM1 project is being deployed around the world in different city, cities. So when we were speaking, he was actually in Las Vegas uh, setting it up sitting in one of these um, uh, big chairs somewhere in Las Vegas. And so it's being set up all over the world. Make sure to check out if, if this list of cities that he mentions on the podcast, if your city is among one of them, 
If it is, then hit him up on LinkedIn and uh, he'll, he might be able to arrange access for you to go check it out. I can't wait for it to come to Australia. I can't wait for my, until I go to a place where it is. It looks so amazing. And without further ado, I bring to you our discussion with Andrew Borisov from the MM1 project. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Super Data Science Podcast. Got a special guest today on the line, Andrew Borisov, calling in from Las Vegas, right? Is that right, Andrew? Yeah, perfect, yeah. Awesome. How are you going? I'm here. Everything's perfect. The sun is shining. <laughs> and the weather is awesome in Las Vegas, is that right? Yeah, it's, it's, it's shining pretty good now, so in evening time it's going to be pretty cold, but right now it's perfect. Mm, awesome. Okay, so I just want to say, Andrew, a huge thank you because I'm, like, I'm in Australia. I just woke up. And I watched one of the videos about your project and I was so blown away. I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. I got to get one of these and I'm just like in the best mood possible right now. So thank you so much for that. It's such a mood booster. And it's a, it's a real pleasure for me to be a part of this conversation because I'm a big fan of what you guys are doing and how you're trying to explain complicated things in an easy terms. So I am actually completed a couple of your courses and like three more to go. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much as well for that. So uh, just for those listening, we get, this is going to be an interesting podcast because Andrew is the co-founder of MM1 Project, a mind-blowing new technology that combines virtual reality and motion. And Andrew will tell us more about it. So. I really want to dig into that and at the same time Andrew is combining data science and AI and uh, other things that we study in our course or we teach in our courses with uh, some of his hobbies. So that's going to be an interesting combination and they are like synergetic because one can help the other. So but let's start with, with you Andrew. Tell us about MM1 project. It is so fascinating. I just want to know more. How did it start? What's it all about? And just like give us a short overview because some, most listeners right now have no idea what MM1 is. <laughs> yeah, so uh, it's a virtual reality simulator or attraction as you wish. Imagine a big chair connected to an arm and it can literally rotate in any direction. Like you remember Assassin's Creed when they were doing this jump in the movie and it was holding you back and it was kind of rotating. So your body rotates 360 degrees in any direction. So basically the only thing we don't do is uh, the simulation of big G-forces because you need to speed up in this case. Uh, and also there is a full-scale PC attached to this chair and you can actually play basically any type of the game and it will keep rotating you in the same direction and precisely the same angle as uh, what you see in the goggles. So it all started five years ago. Uh, one of our co-founders, she was an owner of a chain of 5D cinemas. And then she heard about the announcement of the first Oculus. It was a Kickstarter campaign, by the way. I know I know, I know, you like Kickstarter and yeah. you do some crazy things there. So uh, she ordered like 10 of the pieces, 10 of the Oculuses. We used to be the first one who brought it. I'm from Ukraine, so she brought it to Ukraine. And uh, the idea was that... If there is a virtual reality, your body needs to rotate with the virtual reality. So we were trying to deliver the best amount of uh, crazy emotions possible. So yesterday here in Vegas, we had some people and they were literally shouting like a baby, you know, yeah. <laughs> like screaming and all this stuff. So it took us five years to develop a commercial product. So 
for a couple of times we thought we're there and it's commercial but it wasn't there yet so last year we released a commercial video and started officially started sales and uh, right now we have customers from different countries we have some installations i'm currently performing one of the installations here in vegas and talking to some interesting people so it's, it's really exciting so when i heard about this project i was doing mobile advertisement I was working at Opera Software. You maybe heard of the browser. Mm -hmm. So I was selling advertisement there. Then I went to another company that was selling mobile advertisement. So it was kind of an IT job. I was always trying to do some entrepreneurship. And I had some projects all the time going on. And in like two or three months after I discovered this company and I started helping, I quit. And it was like, you know, it was like I quit like I didn't think about it. I just came to my boss's office, who is also a very close friend of mine. So he was aware of what I'm doing, like after hours. Yeah. So I basically came to him and said, "Man, you know what? I'm not there yet. I'm not listening to mobile advertisement anymore." Yeah. yeah. So, so you know, uh, I just quit, and uh, it took me almost three years for us to start generating some revenues and profits and so on. So it was a complicated road to and things to achieve. But at the moment we are starting to roll up glo roll out globally and it's 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 incredible, you know. It's it's a complicated task because it's a complicated mm. machine and a lot of things are implemented there on a mechanical way and on a electronics side you know and development side so we have a proprietary technology of the controls uh, of the things and uh, software that controls the whole uh, attraction because there are like four units that rotate in different direction and the most important part is to make it work all together without any delays because you know the biggest challenge with the VR for now, I would say that it's a motion sickness. Mm -hmm. We had a very interesting discovery. So when we made it all the way it was supposed to be, uh, and and your body actually felt the the way of the rotation, the way it was supposed to be, we discovered that people usually don't feel sick at all because your body is in the game and you feel the game with your body. So you usually don't get sick. I mean, of course, when you get upside down, you you might feel a little nauseous, but it's not about the VR. Hmm. Oh, that's that's really interesting because it it sounds like, or I've actually experienced this that when you when there's a, like a disconnect between what your body is experiencing and what your mind is seeing, then you are actually li like there is a chance you'll experience motion sickness. But okay, based on what you're saying, uh, it seems that if if everything is in sync, it's it's actually better for you in terms of not experiencing motion Definitely. sickness. Definitely, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh. We had an interesting case. We were showcasing two years ago on Paris Games Week. It's a very big show, like 300,000 people. And uh, our main game is Trickmania, which is by Ubisoft, and it has an eSports there. So all the best players from all over the world came there to try to make their championship. And they didn't want to try it with MM1 because they tried VR, Trickmania in VR without the chair, and they felt sick. Uh. So it took us like 15 minutes to convince them to try, and it was even a previous product which was not that good. And as a matter of fact, uh, it turned out that they didn't feel sick. That's so cool, and I think I saw one of those videos. And by the way, we had a, a guest on the podcast at the very start in the first 10 episodes, uh, Ulf Morris. Ulf, you're, if you're listening to this, uh, a huge hello, because Ulf is the... Uh, finance director for Ubisoft in uh, the German Germany, Austria, and Switzerland region. Region. So it's oh, wow. yeah. It's very interesting how you know. Like now That's you're nice. talking about how you're working with Ubisoft. 
And I saw I saw a little preview of that game, uh, Trackmania on uh, YouTube. You have it's crazy. Like that car is falling like like yeah, a roller coaster, yeah. and the guy and your thing is. Uh, MM1 is just like rotating the the player like it's absolutely insane. He's like face down towards the ground in the air and like the exactly. thing is rotating. It's just crazy how how well synced it is. Really, really love it. To tell you the truth, yeah. we had another we had another technical issue, which was the so the tracking in the VR is a very big issue because when you go upside down, the picture sometimes doesn't follow what you see. Mm. I mean, like what you see and what's in the game. So it took us a couple of years. To, so we switched to open source technology and we had to tune it up a lot in order to make it work. But now I can officially state that uh, the tracking in our attraction works the way it should be. So when you go upside down, you see yourself upside down the way it should be. Yeah, okay, that's that's really cool. So um, sounds like there was a lot of uh, work involved. It took you, to, you mentioned like uh, two years to, to quit your job and then three years again before you actually started May, like making it became a commercially viable product. So tell us about that. Like how how do you see this at the start of the journey? You're probably looking ahead, and it looks like there's so much to do. There's years and years of work before anything will even come of this. How do you keep yourself motivated to keep going? What kept pushing you? It's it's you know the results that you get in the in the end because. When we started, we decided to make our own content, but we were not that strong, and it's it, and it was like a long time ago. So the content we created wasn't like the way it should be. Then we realized we need to have a strong, reliable partner, and we researched a lot online about what was in VR back in the days, like three years ago. I mean, like I didn't have any contacts with Ubisoft, so I started like sending them emails and LinkedIn requests and so on. So as they told me later, when we already committed and did the show and told all the things, I, I literally like was very annoying. But since the product was interesting, <laughs> they they decided to commit. So when you get such results, uh, step by step results, this is what keeps you motivating because you see a very big light in the end of this tunnel because. Yeah, it takes you a lot of a lot of strength to and time to produce something and make some really some kind of cool results. But then you go to the chair, you try it, and you you understand why you're doing this. <laughs> Interesting. And so, like a question that probably a lot of people don't really think about is when you talk about end result, is it about how successful you will become and let's say how much money you'll make, or is it about how you can actually impact other people and like change the way we experience mm -hmm. things for a whole like hundreds of thousands of people. Look, so first of all, I would say that we've been bootstrapping all this on all this way. We didn't have a big investment round closed yet, and we had one of the versions which which was like a few years ago that we took to United States for like six months to the Silicon Valley. Uh -huh. We showed it to numerous amount of people. But then we realized we need to work on the product. We need to finish the product. And so answering your question, I would say that it's not about the money in the first place. It's about what you do and what's the product you have. If you have a good product, if everything is in place, the financial success in this type of project, because it's, it's really innovative, it's going to find you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah so I would say something like this. You, you, if you start playing for money and your product is not ready, uh, nobody is just, just going to buy it. and in this case you you have a problem 
Yeah, and uh, just in, even in terms of um, kind of like believing and passion, if you like, if you're doing it just to become rich and famous, uh, like you will, you there's a high chance you will potentially burn out or. Uh, when obstacles yeah. like you guys had, like you had so many obstacles along the way, you'll be like, oh, there's, you know, there has to be easier ways. I, I'm giving up on this. But if you're just passionate about the end goal of what you're creating, you really believe in your product, or if you're, if you have a career, you really believe in yourself and in, in where your career can tell you mm -hmm. how amazing it can be, then that fuels, that passion fuels your exactly. uh, efforts. Exactly. It's the one that's driving you. Mm -hmm. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly like that. Yeah. 100%. Otherwise, it's just not going to work. You will just sit in the office and just pretend you are doing something while browsing your Mm -hmm. Facebook feed, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, sometimes it happens. I would say that sometimes it happens when you are out of power. But then something happens, some kind of event or something is going on, and and you have power to go to go on. Yep. And uh, tell tell us where and when do you think we could experience this MM1 technology? Where, like, when will it be on the market, or uh, if people want to experience it early, what kind of shows can they attend to have mm -hmm. a feel for it? Okay, so we started with the entertainment because there are a lot of other areas like military simulation, the healthcare. In terms of entertainment, it's still on the market. We currently just performed an installation here in Las Vegas. It's in the private territory, so it's like for private rights. So if you want to try it here in Vegas, just uh, I believe there would be some context for me uh, after this after this podcast. So you just send me a message and I will tell you how you can do it. Mm -hmm. Also, we currently are performing an installation on Phuket in Thailand. It's going to be up and running in like a, before the Christmas. Mm -hmm. uh, another one would be in early January installation in Qatar in Dubai Mall which is kind of insane and <laughs> the third one would be by the end of uh, January 3rd, 1st in uh, Dubai Mall in Dubai so the product itself is pretty expensive so we received like during the time over 4,000 inquiries about purchasing the regions that we started with are those Arabic countries uh, some Asian part and uh, of course United States in the United States we have now distribution company that will distribute us uh, and provide the whole technical support. So we have huge plans for the United States. We just came back from the exhibition in Orlando. It's called Ayapa Show. This is like the biggest event for the out-of-home entertainment for any type of theme parks and so on. So we are having so many discussions right now and more contracts on the way. But the good news is yes, the product is on the market and you're going to be able to try it. Oh, awesome. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much. So much. There's, uh, there you go, guys. Those are some locations um, that you might be able to experience MM1 at. Okay, and uh, in terms of other companies, like obviously you're you're the first to market, you're the first with this idea, but are you seeing that, uh, since it's been quite a while, five years, are you seeing any competitors pop up? Are you seeing any other companies that are doing similar or even the same thing? Look, so first of all, I would say that we're not afraid of competitors and uh, like three years ago when I talking about out-of-home VR entertainment, it was like nobody understood what it is. Right now when I'm saying this, people know what it is. So uh, there are a couple of companies that are on the market right now, and uh, I'm sure there are going to be more Chinese guys that are trying to build something, but in the end it's all about the mix of the content and the hardware. So we feel pretty confident it's going to be fine. And there is a big company, KUKA Robotics, which was founded in Germany in like... 1897, I guess, 
and was recently acquired by some of the Chinese guys. And this company, they do they do robotic arms for the manufacturing, you know, so like industrial ones. They're trying to do something in VR, but their solution is way more expensive. Mm. It's, it requires more space, but we do love it. It's 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 really great. So. Of course, there will be some competition there, and there is. Most of the companies, they don't do 360, they just do some kind of small motion platforms, which is pretty cool as well. I tried one in Shanghai last year. Yeah. Uh, it was from a Chinese company. I don't remember even the name. They had the Project Cars game integrated with Oculus, and it was mind-blowing. So it, it's like it wasn't moving a lot just when you drive a regular racetrack, but it had, it had a professional steering wheel. And it was all synced together very good, and it's like way cheaper than our solution. It's different type of emotions, but uh, I did like the product, for example. So answering your question, yeah, there might be a lot of competitors, and they're going to be more. Oh, okay, gotcha. And uh, yeah, that's, that's a really cool attitude that you guys are you know, not, not uh, afraid. I, I personally think when they're competitors, that means the market is, there is demand. If there's there. No, yeah. Yeah, yeah. If there is no market, there might be a very high chance you're entering some kind of wrong direction or something is wrong or there will be a market in 20 years and 40 years you might just not survive you know yeah. it's very important to do it right on time in terms of our product by the way it's a lot about the development of the vr technology which is even now not there yet mm. so if we did it uh, did such a roll-up commercial roll-up five years ago it wouldn't be good the product the total product because if, if we are something wrong with it you just don't get result and you might get sick or whatever it is okay okay that's a, that's a good point and when you say out of home vr entertainment does that mean that you like a person can't just buy one of these and put it in their house if a guy like you know, branson decides to buy one i'm sure he will get all the approvals and he just doesn't care but in general uh, this thing requires uh, all the time a person who is running it uh -huh. so imagine you get into a chair you go upside down and I don't know, you're running out of, I don't know. Electricity. <laughs> electricity or whatever it is. There should always be a person around you that will push all the required buttons in order to go down. Okay. So that's why the certification for the business, like out of home VR entertainment and, and for personal use is way different. And frankly speaking, I have no idea what kind of papers you need to get to get the private approval. Mm. It's usually when it's a big wealthy person, they just know how to do it right but in general of course we don't sell to private uh, any private associations gotcha so your target market is like theme parks shopping malls and places where there are lots of people yeah so it's it's actually an interesting one so first of all it's any location indoor location where you can install it make some small fans you know just people not to get there so it starts from shopping malls but in shopping malls you have like uh, one, two attractions, you can actually play in wire, one versus each other and so on. If we're talking about, uh, say, theme parks, it's different. You need to have like 30, 50 at the same time running simultaneously. And uh, usually oh. some kind of customized projects. You know? I see. So, so it's, it's, like a, it's like a big uh, roller coaster for like, you know, fifth, uh, 10 people. And you put 10 people in these VR things instead of putting them into a roller coaster side by side. And they all experience it at the same time. Yeah, and another another big area of where we want to go is the esports. Mm -hmm. Imagine there is a, there is like a big stadium or whatever it is, 
and you just put a lot of MM1s there, and people uh, are just watching in VR what's going on, or just on the screen. Mm. It's a new type of entertainment, and I'm sure it's going to evolve in the next three, five years, and we're going to see, even now, sports is, is getting crazy. Mm-hmm. It's a huge market, and I'm sure that once we had some kind of cool motion there, we will make some kind of insane battles, like robotic battles, or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's, that's, that's really some, some really cool insights, and so, what do you think of this notion that has been recently circulating, or, or maybe like last year, I was hearing like VR is slowly dying, it's like really mm-hmm. s- shutting down. Like if you remember a few years ago when Oculus came out and then after that, mm-hmm. virtual reality was like super popular, where everybody was wanted it, like I even got one. And then like the number of games slowly started mm-hmm. to drop off and... And they stopped developing some games and blah, blah, blah. And so, like, what do you think of that? Why did that happen? And is that going to correct itself? Yeah, and like, and now everybody do Bitcoins. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, look, it's pretty straightforward. In order to get into good VR, you need what? You need, like, HTC Vive, $70. You need a PC, $1,000, and some small adjustments. And you need a big room for this. So it's like 2K and a big room. And basically, you're not going to be playing it all the time five hours a day. You just need some cool experience for 10 minutes per one week, let's say, whatever it is, doesn't matter, 30 minutes. And when you go to out-of-home place, uh, you might have a headset that is worth $3,000 and it has 8K resolution. Mm. So the type of the picture and the motion that you see there, you will never get it at home or you will get it, but for unreasonable money. This is basically the reason that the home experience with VR is really slowing down a little bit because like Silicon Valley invested enormous amount of money into VR recently, especially into the games and technology and all the haptics and stuff like this. Uh, and it's going to be good. But of course, the market say AI, it's uh, AR, I'm sorry, AR, uh, it's, 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 it's much bigger. So yeah, like... For the home uh, experiences, it's going to slow down a little bit, at least for now. What does AR stand for? So when you have a picture when you have a picture and something is on the screen in the real life. Oh, like augmented reality. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay, cool. So, yeah, okay, of course, I... it's much bigger, and what Apple is doing is, is really great. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, it really puts it into perspective, right? That, uh, uh, or it really explains it, that the, the technology is there. It's, it's going to be very crazy like very good and at the same time it's just going to be expensive for a while so that's that's the best solution mm-hmm. you go to a theme park or a shopping mall and experience it there yeah so it's not going to die but look if you even buy some kind of 100 dollar setup for the for your mobile phone it's just simply nothing to do there you try it for 15 minutes this is the usual case you try it for 15 minutes you buy a couple of games and then it's uh, you just leave it on your shelf mm. okay okay well, this is basically the real. Yeah, all right. Thanks for that description. And uh, another thing I wanted to ask you, I heard from someone that we're about uh, getting to 4K, like the commercially or the retail available VR headsets are soon going to be around 4K resolution. Like, they're, I don't think they're mm-hmm. there yet. I think they're 1080 still or like 1080 by uh, whatever, 920. And then it's 4K. But then I heard that when we once we get to 8K resolution, the resolution of the image is going to match the resolution that our brain processes mm-hmm. in the visual cortex mm-hmm. and you won't be able to tell real life apart from virtual mm-hmm. reality. Is that true? Yeah, and this is where the things will start really interesting. And by the way, when you add on top of this some kind of 
artificial intelligence, we can finally talk about those virtual worlds because I would say that because of what you guys are doing, <laughs> there will be so many jobs mm-hmm. lost and unemployment will be crazy. So people will get in, in countries like USA, they will get their salaries like minimum wage without doing anything and they will have to spend their time somewhere and this is where once we get there the things will start to get really funny and in terms of the technology yeah so uh, the headset that we recently started to use is like 2800 pixels by 19 something hundred so it's like 3k Mm -hmm. and the Pimax is a company Chinese that want to release the 4k or 6k like in February they just gained three or four million dollars on the Kickstarter campaign so it's kind of crazy so it's getting there it's getting there little by little and really even on a 3k headset you still see the pixels yeah when this feeling you're gonna you're gonna lose it it's gonna be good the other problem is that you usually need to use the technology of rendering and not the whole picture simultaneously because it's crazy it's like you will need at least to GeForce video cards, mm-hmm. but rendering the part of the picture where your eye is actually looking at right now. Oh, wow. uh, there is a company, Star VR, baked by uh, Acer, I guess. Uh, they are doing a very crazy headset. It would be very expensive, but it has this uh, rendering of the location where you're currently looking at, and it saves a lot of uh, a lot of the power for the video card to generate the content, mm-hmm. the, the picture itself. Wow, that's that's crazy. So the, it's going to track the movement of your eyes to understand how it can ge- like generate the picture more efficiently and save computation. Yes, so you don't need you don't need the right bottom part of the picture of the VR pictures that you have if you're currently looking to the left and up, you know, something uh-huh. like this. Okay. Well. I I would say that in a few years we're going to get there and it's going to be really funny and this is where you can implement artificial stuff, uh-huh. real artificial there are a lot of books uh, that about virtual worlds, and we're going to get there, I guess, pretty soon. And by the way, you also, on top of this, picture is not the only one. You also need to have the motion, some kind of motion. Yeah. And this is where Mon1 is currently playing a little bit as well. Nice, nice, very cool. Okay, I just have, uh, I think I have one more question on this topic before we move on to data science related stuff. Uh, if you're able to disclose, how much, what's the price for your MM1 currently? Yeah, so we usually disclose the price during the inquiry, but I think it's not a problem to publish it here. So the price of one attraction right now is 125,000 euros. Just for you to understand, this is a 1,500 kilogram setup with at least three computers and a lot of engines and so on and so on. So it's not something that you buy a PC. So yeah, it's it's, it's relatively not cheap, but it's for business. Gotcha. So uh, yeah, it took you. It usually takes you. A, from one year to two year stops, depending on the location and the business and the country, of course, to get your money back and get the return on investment. You know, very interesting. And do you, by chance, know how much it costs to build one roller coaster? I would say thirty to fifty million dollars. But the most important part is not even the hardware. First of all, you need a lot of space. Yeah. Here you have twenty five square meters of indoor space, which works three hundred sixty five days a year. Mm-hmm. And if you built a roller coaster, say in Canada, it would be operated in what, like two months a year? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. So, so it's different. It's different. You, you, we are getting into a new era, and entertainment. This type of new entertainment is is pretty fascinating. Mm-hmm. There will be more. Definitely going to be more. Okay, fantastic. Well, thank you so much for that excursion to MM One. If anybody listening to this podcast. 
would like to buy one, <laughs> please, <laughs> please contact Andrew and hopefully we can get more and more of them around the world. I'd love to get into one and try one for myself. Um, Kirill, we're gonna send you a commission check. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm just I'm just all for the experience. Just send me just send me one MM1 and a person with it so that I can can install it here somewhere. I I got a feeling like you know Australia is gonna be one of the last places you come to because it's, no, it's so remote. No, no, it's no? Not. We we currently have a discussion with one of the shopping malls. I I don't want to disclose, yeah. but I actually don't even know the name. But we're talking about uh, multiple installations in Australia mm. during the next, let's say, six months. Oh wow, that's so cool. Okay, well, I'll I'll love to experience one of them as soon as, soon as I'm near one. I'm checking it out. Okay, let's oh, okay, cool. let's move on to your passion and your hobbies. Why data science? Tell us why did you decide to learn uh, courses on data science? What what drove you to this education, okay. this online education? I need one promise from you. If I'm going to get too boring, just stop me without any okay, questions. Okay, promise. So, look, I was I was trying to become a developer when I was 15, but something didn't go there. I don't know. And I, I was always about the IT, but I didn't know that it's not only development itself, but it's also, you know, some kind of business part uh, that I'm currently doing, actually. So, like a year ago, I wanted to do something. I had some free time, and I wanted to start something. So I started learning HTML and CSS. Mm -hmm. I always wanted to do something like data science, but the people kept telling me that it's too complicated and you're not going to make it. So I did, did enjoy algebra and geometry, sorry, uh, while I was in the university. So, so I was like, uh, you know, we need to do something. One thing led to another. I started JavaScript little by little, PHP and so on. I even did some stuff for Apple, like learning. Just learning, it's just, just a hobby. Mm -hmm. So in the end of the day, I ended up with your some of your courses, and I, I was surprised how you guys can explain complicated things in an easy way. So I completed it now machine learning. I'm about to complete uh, the the, um, the deep learning course, and I'm very passionate about starting like two more courses. So unfortunately, I don't have a lot of time to play with it right now but i know as soon as i have i'm going to combine it with robotics and 3d printing and i want to create some kind of nice robot by the mm -hmm. way i'm very impressed about what elon musk did with his open ai mm -hmm. it's crazy yeah it, it's it's crazy when when i discovered that it's all on the github and you can actually download it and play with it and enhance it i was like guys do you understand what's happening with this world because in a few years it's going to be so different and ai is already taking out some jobs and it's going to be even more so i think this is not even the future this is the reality and if you're not there you don't know what's going on because i mean right now to create some kind of uh, neural network yeah you need to know python you need to know how it works but for example, I, I heard Microsoft is implementing something about machine learning tools in their Microsoft Office. And I was like, you know what, in two years, you're not going to have to be actually a developer in order to do something about data science. You'll just push a few buttons. And so until the technology is not there yet, there are so many things to do and so many startups to that was fantastic. That's a fantastic description. And I, it was funny because you mentioned time because I was about to ask, like, how do you even find the time with, you know, with your travels, with uh, setting up these uh, installations and like, go, like talking to different suppliers? Like when, if you do find time, when is it that you learn? Is it like in the morning, in the evening, how many mm -hmm. times per week? What, what is, how does it happen usually for you? Look, so if we're talking about passion, this is something that you can do anytime. Let me explain. After a hard day, you can come home 
and you can uh, either choose YouTube with some stupid videos or Nickelodeon, or you can just open Udemy in my case. Mm-hmm. And uh, it basically happens in the evening time. I spend like half of an hour, an hour just watching uh, things, you know. And uh, of course, at a certain point of time, you will need to code yourself and do things yourself. But in order to work, I mean, like video format is very good for me. Because I can watch and see what's going on and uh, listen to the explanation of the author of the course, you know. So if if you really like it, you're going to find the time. But for the past months, like one month, I wasn't able to listen to Udemy because I, I'm like in the United States and a lot of things that need to be done. But in general, when it gets a little bit slow, mm-hmm. it's it's pretty easy to find time. Okay, okay, very interesting. And so even though you're not really applying at work right now, you're just learning for the future. You're kind of like investing into maybe a future yeah. project or maybe maybe MM1 will be using AI in, at some point. Definitely, oh. definitely. Okay, uh, that's, that's really cool. Tell us a bit about like, you mentioned that you wanted to be a developer and uh, that didn't work out. Like how how is it different now? Like did something change in the technology or did something changing your approach like why did it not work out when you tried before and now you're actually enjoying it and you're passionate about what you're learning it's hard to say the development itself changed i would say because when i was doing it it was what like c plus plus mm-hmm. <laughs> 3.1 something like this and after i lost it for a lot of years but i'm not sure i'm going to be a developer in a like usual way of it is but even even when we talk to developers that work at your company uh, you need to speak the same language. So even though I might not end up being some kind of senior data scientist or whatever it is, mm-hmm. it's important to understand things. So if, if I'm going to need to have a task from for like my team, we're going to have much more clear conversation and we, we're going to understand each other on, on, on a certain level, you know. So I, I have no idea what's going to be in five years. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. at least I want to have the knowledges uh, to knowledge is in the area that evolves so fast you know and will change the world and is changing the world so we'll see where it will it will take me but what i'm learning i really like and it it appeared to be not as com- i mean it's complicated of course but in general it appeared to be not as complicated as i was thinking it is mm-hmm. okay yeah. another topic you know is maybe that ai itself is I mean, it might be not there yet the way it should be because mm. all the time people keep telling me, okay, you like AI, but it's just like I++ when something happens, you know, this approach. Mm. And on one hand, they are completely wrong because all the libraries that currently exist and open AI projects, for example, and so on, it's like, it's crazy. But on the other hand, yeah, I would say that the mind of the computer will change uh, the, the the way the way it is working is going to change what i mean you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah okay i understand all right and and tell us some of the challenges that you've had in this uh, like learning in this recent learning that you've been studying ai data science it's not always probably been smooth sailing and what are some of the roadblocks apart from lack of time that you encounter Look, it was actually funny first of all you need to understand that this is the area you want to study and it took me a while. Uh, second of all, you need to know who your mentors are. You need to determine if you, I mean, like in, in, in my case, it's your 
great courses, but it took me some time to figure out that this is the course I want to do. And then after this, you need to find a consequence how you want to start with what. So for example, it took me a while to understand that I need to start from the machine learning course, then go to deep learning course, then go to AI learning course, and not to start from AI at the beginning, because otherwise you will simply, you might not understand what's going on, you know. So yep. it takes you some time to realize it, but when you realize and all the things are in place, you just need to, you just need to study. There are still some topics that are complicated for me or some topics that I don't understand. Sometimes I just watch it for a couple of times in order to understand. Yeah. But in general, this is very crazy. <laughs> yeah. Okay, gotcha. Well, th that's a very good um, description of the steps. So you need to understand what you want to study. Uh, and that takes some trial and error. Then you understand, need mm -hmm. to understand who your mentors are. So basically where you get the source of education. And then mm -hmm. you need to understand the sequence. Well, I got some good news. Like now, now that you've uh, identified that you kind of enjoy the way we create our courses, we actually can help you with step number three. If uh, or anybody listening, if you guys go to superdatascience.com/course-map, we should really change it to a shorter URL. Like I'll try, I'll get, I'll ask the team to change it to just superdatascience.com/map. Uh, but if you go there, you'll see a map of our courses, and it's interactive, and you can like you can set your mouse over where you want to go, like let's say, or where you want to start, right? So where you're thinking of starting, and it'll tell you what career paths and what kind of options you'll have from there, and like which courses and which sequence you need to take. So that, you might find that helpful. Check it out. Wow, this is so nice. Okay, so that's that's okay. That's a good good point. So that's uh, the challenges. The reason I'm asking these questions is because your example is very inspiring of a person who has found something successful that you're working on, something uh, you're already passionate about, and yet on the side, in like you still maintain this other passion of yours for artificial mm -hmm. intelligence, and it's very, it's very cool to see. So like, th there's people listening to this podcast who might already have like a passion for gardening or a passion for airplanes or something, but are also still considering data science. So I think they can uh, maybe leverage some of this experience that you have. And so my next question would be, what's a recent win that you can share us, with us in your studies? Like some, some progress that you've made, something that made you feel like, oh, yes, I did it. Uh, this has been, no. it's been uh, a good day. Unfortunately, no. Uh, there is no neural network that I created <laughs> that was super successful. Yeah. I would say that I would need a few months more to study and then to start. But by the way, very important part, which I'm not following sometimes, you need to start doing something before you think you already know everything. So basically like in the very beginning, because otherwise you will get away from the reality, you know. This is a this is a problem that I actually have, you know. It takes some time, so I, I need to still to finish some courses and then start doing something. So unfortunately there is nothing that I can say like I've created a tool for this and so on and so on. But since I would call myself an entrepreneur, while studying all those, I have so many ideas of where I could implement data science potentially. So it's not some kind of project that I'm not going to be doing in the nearest future because I have some things to do. <laughs> but uh, at least at least I'm keeping the track on, on the on the technologies that are currently running. And uh, since I'm not a big fan of Bitcoin, I'm not spending my time there. It's a problem, by the way, as well, but it doesn't matter for now. I'm not spending my time there, so I can spend some time on, on mm. data science. Mm -hmm. Interesting. What do you mean you're not a fan of Bitcoin? I thought everybody is a fan of Bitcoin these days. I mean, I, 
I didn't invest in it, so I'm not holding any bitcoins. Yeah. <laughs> so, so for me, it's just a chart. For yeah. people, for different people, it's not a chart. It's the amount of money that they currently own. Okay, gotcha. But like in terms of t uh, breakthroughs and like wins, it doesn't like. Let's not talk about like uh, things that you've created in neural networks and stuff. Is there something that you've learned that you was really hard to learn, and then you thought, oh, Okay, now I understand it. This makes total sense. Something like what's the what's the most exciting thing that you learned in the past couple of months? I would say that uh, the most exciting part for me was when I started at first uh, the first course on machine learning, like basic algorithm mm -hmm. algorithm, and I realized that this is not as hard as I was thinking it is. Mm -hmm. So basically, when you study it, of course you need to know some mathematics and so on, but not on the too complicated way mm -hmm. and manner. So the biggest uh, like bless for me was like, I think I'm good enough to understand this someday. Mm -hmm. <laughs> when nice. I realized it, I was like, but wait, this means that I can do this, this, and that. And then I was like, okay, let's do it. Fantastic. What would your advice be to people who are in a similar position as you, where they found there's something they're passionate about, it's not really the space of AI or deep learning right now, but they also want to learn more about AI, deep learning, machine learning, and data science. Uh, what would your advice be for them how to you know, keep themselves motivated or how to jump into it and uh, like get, get good at, mm -hmm. uh, at this field that's approaching very quickly? So, first of all, I would say don't listen to anybody. I mean, like, if somebody says that you're not okay to make it or it's complicated or whatever it is, no matter what it is, if it's data science or uh, jumping from a plane, what doesn't matter. Uh, just do what, what you think is right because it will save you a lot of time because at the end it's your life. Mm -hmm. You just need to find your passion and, and, and do it, you know, something like this. It's I don't think there is a secret formula for this. It's it's different for every person yeah. the way they need to go through okay well that's that's a good tip about don't listen to anyone else like in your case right there there were lots of people telling you that it's very complicated and you can't do it but turns out listen not, not that yeah bad. so imagine there is a developer who's 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 a good developer and there is me who is an entrepreneur yeah. and me saying i want to study this he yeah. will tell you why do you need this you're not i mean you're not good at this you will not study it you you will not make it don't waste your time on this. But if you really want to spend some time on it, don't listen to anybody. Okay, gotcha. I've got a, a one more question for you as we, we're slowly coming to the end of the podcast. Mm -hmm. I've got one question for you, a philosophical one. Uh, and this will be very interesting to hear your opinion because of the space that you're in with um, mm -hmm. technology and, and also what you're doing for a hobby, AI. From everything that you've seen like so far, where do you think the space of data science uh, is going? Uh, spaces of data science, AI, machine learning is going, and what do you think our listeners should prepare for to be ready for the future that's coming? I don't think it's going to make sense for me to talk about the different areas where data science could be applied, mm. in particular, I mean, like, like legal uh, or everything about the images and how you process them. So I would speak more philosophical and in general. One day we're going to come to the I'm sorry for calling it like this, but metrics. Yeah. <laughs> in in some kind of way, maybe not the way Bakowski, uh, the the brothers described it. But what I mean is that people spend less and less time offline and more online, and it's gonna be even more. Even now in the United States, there is a big problem. A lot of shopping malls are shutting down, and there is nothing that uh, 
people are intended to do with this big amount of space. So people will get even deeper into virtual worlds, and this is where VR is playing. And when you have the virtual world, you need to have like artificial uh, brain there, you know, that uh, can talk to you, that you can do something about, uh, I mean, like talk to another person in this world and so on. And this is where all the data science approaches need to be implemented uh, implemented in some in one, one way or another. Mm, okay. So I'm thinking more global about this. Yeah, no, that, that's a very... That's one part. Accurate picture. Yeah, so and the other part is, of course, billions of people one day losing their jobs simply because, let's call it computer, <laughs> will yeah. will do it better. Yeah. So... How can we prepare for, for that? Like, I don't what? know, do something. Uh, there are new professions that appear, like the same uh, virtual reality architect. Mm -hmm. Doing all, a lot of virtual reality architects. For example, we have a game where there is a track builder and we need to game, build some small tracks. And it's not a developer. This is a person who, who is more like an architecture, but they don't build real homes. They build something in the virtual reality world, mm -hmm. in the virtual world, I'm sorry. You need to study what's going on and understand what's going to be important. For example, if you're a developer, if, if I was a developer and I wanted to go to study something, I would do the data science because now you can get a very crazy salary and a very big part of the company if you're doing things right. So you need to keep the track of what's going on outside. Mm. Interesting. And that's, do you find that's a bit of a sad trend that people are getting out of their houses less and that they're going to be staying indoors more and doing like stuff online more and more? Like, do you think it's a, it's going to have some negative effects on our psychology? Yes. Unfortunately, yes. And uh, this is a big problem, but there is no way to stop this. Like Elon Musk said, for example, about OpenAI before creating it. Uh, the technology is going to be there anyway. It's going to happen anyway. We just need to have it in the right hands. The same here. There is no way to avoid it. This mm -hmm. is where it's all going. This is what we've seen in the movies of the late uh, 20th century, you know, like 90s something. There is nothing that we can do. If there was not something that we could do about it, maybe we need to think about it. But I don't think so. So uh, you either can accept it or be outside of the game. Mm. Yeah, go like go live in a forest or something like that. That's yeah, the only way out. All right, and and then what about physical exercise? Like, uh, I, all right, psychological problems. That's one thing, and maybe there's ways to deal with it. But one obvious problem is that people staying indoors, playing uh, VR, or just living in VR all the time, they're gonna have problems with their health, with their bodies. You mm -hmm. need to go outside. You need to get mm -hmm. some exercise. Is there any, like, because what, what you are working in that space, you're working in the space of combining motion and VR. It is passive mm -hmm. motion, the person sitting in a chair, but maybe you've had some ideas around how we can overcome the challenge of, like, our bodies getting in trouble, if like, in the future when we're just sitting at home all the time. There are some startups, they do something about it, like, when you are running, do something, but I wouldn't call it a real exercise. It's hard for me to say how we need to... I mean, actually, what you just described, uh, you can uh, do at least 10 startups in this area in order to help people doing some exercise while they are doing something in the virtual world or they don't want to go outside. So it's hard to have the exact answer for this at the moment. Mm. 
maybe you need to have some i don't know vrg or whatever it is mm -hmm. <laughs> but it's like as the demand grows you think the answer will come some companies will come up with solutions for that yeah but on the other side uh, i think a lot of people anyway we're going to have problems with that mm. okay all right well ladies and gentlemen listen to podcast make sure you get enough exercise in order to <laughs> be able to enjoy the world that's coming ahead so thank you so much uh, for coming on the show. I just have one uh, question. Uh, no, not one question. I have, uh, first of all, I'd like to ask you, where can our listeners contact you if they'd like to find out more or maybe, you know, maybe there's some clients listening like a theme park who wants to talk about uh, MM1. Totally possible. What's the best way to get in touch? Oh, I have a Facebook page. I have a LinkedIn page. Um, we can uh, leave the links for those. I mean, I can leave an email as well. Just shoot me an email. Okay, awesome. We'll leave all the contacts on the show notes page. Um, okay. And guys, hit up Andrew. And uh, yeah, so one last question for you. What is a book that you can recommend to our listeners to help them in their careers? Look, it happened that I'm currently staying uh, very close to the Zappos company in Vegas uh, with... Uh, some kind of close touch with Tony Shea, who's the founder of Zappos. So the last book I read was Delivering Happiness. And uh, it has, remember what we talked about in the very beginning about uh, what should come first, money or passion and something that you do and how you do it. Mm -hmm. uh, this is actually, I, I mean, I'm sure that a lot of people have read this book, but if you didn't, just find some time and try it. And it's, it's very simple. It's about the story of a person who, uh, sold a couple of companies, but not just uh, sold and uh, got some money for it, but uh, uh, also made something in a wise and friendly manner. There was like the best part of the book after he sold the first company, how it happened. I don't want to disclose it, mm. but uh, you guys are going to love it. Awesome. Okay, so there we go. Uh, nobody's recommended this book yet on the podcast, so it's yeah, really, one. yeah, it's surprising because I've heard of it I'm as well. Um, Delivering Happiness by Tony Shea, uh, founder and CEO of Zappos. All right, Andrew. Again, thank you so much for coming on the show. Can't wait to experience your uh, MM1 <laughs> technology. As soon as I get onto one, I'll shoot you an email, tell you how it went. Thank you so much for sharing all the insights today. Kirill, I appreciate it. It's been a real honor for me. And uh, I would say that we had quite an interesting conversation. Uh, can't wait to listen it online. Just for sure. peace at least. All right. Okay. Good luck with your exposition in Las Vegas. Thank you. And uh, keep learning data science, everybody. So there you have it. That was Andrew Borisov from the MM1 project. I hope you're super excited about this whole new thing coming. It's so cool to think... Uh, where this, like, where the world of entertainment is going, and that even outdoors, even in um, the theme parks, now we're going to have AI and virtual reality uh, entertaining us. It, like, on one hand, it is a bit concerning that there's less physical activity and less being able to actually you know, like not being able to, but like actually getting on a roller coaster and do that. And I think that will stay, but you know, this is a different experience and it'll be interesting to see how it goes, right? So it might be safer, which is good. What else? And also I think the possibilities are going to be ma more massive there because, you know, with a roller coaster, you're limited to certain things that you can, can't do. And with one of these, like you'll be able to go into space and do like crazy things. So I think it's a combination of the two. I, I still also definitely 
like the the physical, real physical attraction, but I wouldn't go past them. I guess I'll definitely try it out. So virtual reality, very interesting where this world's going. I I had I had this feeling that virtual reality was actually kind of slowly dying down, but with uh, things like this, uh, makes you really reconsider. Anyway, we'll see how it goes. Again, make sure to check out more about the MM1 project online and see their incredible uh, feature videos of how it's all working. We've got one at superdayassign.com slash 125. Also there you'll have find all of the links and show notes and things mentioned on the show. Plus, you will find the link to Andrew Borisov's LinkedIn. Make sure to hit him up and connect and tell him what you think about MM1. On that note, thank you so much for being here today. Can't wait to see you back here next time. Until then, happy analyzing.